right. Yeah, that, uh, oh God, I had to cut out so much shit from last week because the internet was so trash. I'm in the same hotel this week, but apparently this room has good internet. It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm one floor down exactly in the same spot and I have good internet. I'm, I'm fucking lost. Well, write the room number down. Uh, with that, let's start. And welcome back, everyone. Uh, South End Zone podcast again. Uh, more season previews this week. And Jason, I like our process this year better than last year. We're doing these conferences in what I consider maybe kind of a, an ascending somewhat order as mm-hmm. opposed to last year. But uh, Big Ten East today, uh, arguably the better half of the Big Ten, uh, I think most people would think. But uh, how, how are you guys doing? Jason, what's up? Where are you at these days? Oh, man, I'm still down here in enemy territory in Auburn. So, no, man, I'm good. Uh, excited to do the Big Ten. In my opinion, probably the second toughest division in football behind the SEC West. So, pretty pumped to talk about it. And uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm ready for some flamethrower status takes from, from Timmy. And, you know, I'm ready to tell him where he's wrong. Speaking of Timmy's and the flamethrower, Tim, what's going on? Oh, it's fueled up, man. It's ready to go. Uh, <laughs> stand by. I got some marshmallows and a stick. Get them out, boys. Yeah. Do you have your Do you have your handy supply of Popovich butthurt cream? Always two for one special. Use promo code butthurt. <laughs> oh yeah, that for our listeners that that'll be a weekly segment this year. It's gonna be you know we're gonna award some butthurt cream weekly to the fan base that deserves it the most, or we just feel like. Or could you use know, it the most. Yeah, probably, needs it the most, maybe. Yeah, probably needs it the most. I have a sneaky suspicion we're going to be sending bulk shipments somewhere in the vicinity of Austin, Texas. I don't know. <laughs> oh, good. Here we go. Here we maybe, go. Maybe God, so. We're not even talking about the Big 12 and your shading. Uh, all right, let's <laughs> get into week, this before man. Timmy Next digs us too big a hole here. Um, <laughs> Jason, I'm going to start with you, and uh, let's just lead off with the defending Big Ten champion uh, college football playoff participants Michigan uh they were 11 and 1 last year uh won won the game uh pretty convincingly uh for anyone who watched it uh, they were they really imposed their will in that game beat the hell out of Iowa went to the playoffs that didn't go their way uh Jim Harbaugh a couple coordinators gone they lost a lot of defensive talent which was really the strength I thought of their team so Michigan's coming into the year with a nine and a half win Vegas total if I were on the fence which I kind of am to be honest uh, which way would you kind of push me all right i was hoping you would kind of start out with this one because it's sort of a long breakdown and i mean i don't want to get too deep into the weeds here but i mean is it just me or just like last year's playoff run seem like it was five years ago like with all the shit that's happened with michigan in the offseason with the harbaugh to the viking saga and i mean all, just all that shit that went down Seems like it was forever ago. It does. A lot of stuff has happened, like in college football in general, and a lot of things have happened. A lot of change has taken place with Michigan in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which so, is kind I mean, of where I get indecisive on these guys. Right. Well, the score of that playoff game, I bet Michigan hopes that was five years ago. <laughs> well, you know, we kind of highlighted on episode 31, which was the game day eats episode, we kind of highlighted the whole Harbaugh situation. So if you're a listener and you don't really know what we're talking about with Harbaugh to the Vikings and all that, go back and listen to episode 31. It was a straight banger. So uh, nonetheless, basically, I'll jump right into 
you know, their team because, you know, as you touched on, Eric, that, you know, new coordinators, they have co-offensive coordinators now after Josh Gaddis departed for Miami and their defensive coordinator ejected and went to Baltimore to coach with uh, Harbaugh's brother. So new defensive coordinator and co-offensive coordinator. So speaking on the offensive side now, I guess I'll start with the good first. I expect their offensive line to be elite again this year. You know, they've got three starters coming back, plus they brought in, um, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name, but a transfer from UVA who was a Remington finalist last year to play center. So I think their offensive line is elite again, and I think they bully people some more. Now, I'll touch on the QB situation here in a minute, but uh, they do lose uh, Hashan Haskins to the NFL, but Blake Corum, I think, you know, I think he'll be fine at running back. I mean, he rushed for six and a half a carry last year, so... You know, behind that offensive line, I feel like Timmy could gain five yards of carry. So, especially if they're playing Rutgers. But give me the rock. <laughs> but uh, bottom line, I think it'll be more of the same. I think they'll run all over people, like kind of like they did last year. And at wide receiver, it's kind of interesting because they get Ronnie Bell back. You know, I mean, you guys remember when he went down in week one last year, it was like their only legitimate playmaker on the outside. And so they, they get him back. And they do have some experience behind him, but like nothing, you know, no real game breakers. So I would expect some, you know, some freshmen to get some looks there. They've got two or three like four star freshmen that are pretty good. And I would imagine there'll be a lot of, you know, a lot of shifting there. But uh, moving over to the defense, because like I said, I'll touch on the quarterbacks in a bit. Moving to the defense, this is kind of, you know, offense was the good. This is the bad. Like pretty much their entire defense is gone. They got gutted. I mean, straight up gutted by the NFL graduations, transfers like it. <laughs> Pretty much every key starter that they had that was part of last year's playoff run is now gone and they have to replace him. Now, that being said, you know, Harbaugh's recruited this side of the ball pretty well. So I, I think early it'll be kind of a thing where we see a lot of rotation, you know, just a lot of different defensive linemen switching in and out, trying to find the right combo. And same thing on the back end in the secondary. I just. <laughs> I think the linebacking core is probably the strength of the defense this year, just based on the fact that that's where they've got the most experience coming back. But, you know, to me, what looked like obviously was the the strength of the defense a year ago, which was Aiden Hutchinson and all those freaks along the defensive line. I think defensive line could be a big liability for them this year. So that'll be interesting. But the schedule, that, if I'm being honest, I can get them to eight wins without even blinking. Like Colorado State, Hawaii, Yukon, Maryland, all those are at home to start the year. That's four and zero at Iowa. Eh, toss up maybe. They drilled them out last year at Indiana. Win Penn State. Eh, it's at home at least, so who knows? Michigan State, mm. and then Rutgers, Nebraska, Illinois. <laughs> like I could get them to eight wins relatively easy, but to get two more. If I'm going to come up with two more wins out of home games against Penn State and Michigan State and road games against Iowa and Ohio State, is it doable? Yes, but am I willing to bet on it? No. And the reason I'm not is because of the quarterback situation. I mean, McNamara, McCarthy, we don't even know who's going to start. And neither one of them were what I would call electric last year. So I would be shocked if you didn't see both of them play a lot again this year you know, depending on who's got the hot hand. So uncertainty at defensive line and on the back end, uncertainty at quarterback. I just can't bring myself to bet on double-digit wins again. I said they were a flash in the pan, and I'm going to stick with that. So I'm going to take the under. 
Fair enough. Timmy, what do you think? Well, I don't have to think that I'm going to take Okay, I, I was going to say, I, I feel like I already know the answer, but I want you to say it out loud anyway. I am going to take the under. It's hammer time, ladies and gentlemen. Give me the button. <laughs> Most of everything you said is is right on point. Again, for me, there was just an element of you know magic and good fortune for the team last year. I mean, who the hell thought they were going to you know, make the playoff uh, playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. You know, they took advantage of some other teams having some injuries and some down years and things like that to get them there. But I'm not going to take anything away from last year's team. They were a good football team. But like you said, you know, they lost too much ridiculous talent on defense and their quarterback situation is a dumpster fire for me to outright just say, yeah, I'm going to bet that they're going to win 10 games or more this year. Pfft, no, not going to happen. So I'm I'm taking the safe road on the under. Yeah, I I can't get I'm with you guys. I can't get them to double digits. I just can't. I can get them. I can get them to seven and one really easy. And then you know, can they win three out of at Iowa uh, and then Nebraska, Michigan State, and Penn State at home? Um, I'm just not confident, and mostly because of the quarterback. Now, in fairness, I don't know if what we saw last year was because of the quarterbacks or because who they're thrown to. Because you talked about Ronnie Bell, and they got. I don't want to say one-dimensional, but they weren't as balanced as they probably wanted to be once he went down, and they went very run-heavy. So, yeah, there's a question of did they just not have anyone to throw the ball to? But, you know, without knowing that answer, I can't, I can't, I couldn't bring myself to put put money on wish Michigan winning 10 games. I just couldn't. So Well, and I mean, like, it's not like the quarterback play was abysmal. I mean, no, I mean it was like... 60% of his passes, and I mean, he was marginally efficient, but like you said, he didn't have much to throw to. But what's funny about it to me is that like the consensus amongst the fan base and, you know, amongst the pundits at ESPN and CBS, they seem to think like that McCarthy is the more talented guy, like, can you know, can run a little bit and has the bigger arm. But, you know, he didn't, he played really spar sparingly last year. So I, I don't... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's McNamara's job to lose, but I mean, it's Harbaugh, dude. Who fucking knows what Harbaugh is going to do? He's a complete wild card. I just, I don't know. People who think that, I, I can understand why they think that because I, you know, I, I did see both of those guys play last year at times. And I think JJ McCarthy might be the better overall athlete and the more dynamic player. But I don't know that he's just, you know, I think back to the Penn State game, you know, and Cade McNamara made some really good throws in that last drive. You know, they're down four points in the fourth quarter, you know, in a game that they had to win to to keep any hope of of conference title game, playoff, anything alive. And in you know, he he came up really big that last drive, but it wasn't like really pushing the ball down the field. It was just not making mistakes and just making the plays that were there more than anything. And I don't know that that gets him to 10 wins in this conference. So we are all three on the under there now. Uh, Jason, are you wearing shorts right now? I am wearing shorts right now. I'm, I'm in Mel Tucker spirit. You yes. know who else is wearing shorts right now? Oh, yeah. Is my guy Mel Tucker. So Michigan State got off to a hot start last year, and then they they kind of got really into the meat of their schedule, struggled a little bit. You know, offensively, Kenneth Walker the third was just electric all season long. Unfortunately for them, he's not there anymore. He has moved on. They didn't really trot out what I would call a good or even adequate uh, pass defense last year. They got steamrolled through the air by Purdue and Ohio State. So, you know, they're coming in with a seven and a half win total for a team that won 11 games last year. How, you know, how, help me make sense of that, Jason. 
All right. So like you already touched on 11 and two last year, top 10 finish. I think they finished number nine in the country, you know, beat Pittsburgh in the, what was that? The peach bowl, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Peach bowl. So like you said, uh, Kenneth Walker, he's off to the NFL. I, I, I think I should pre preface this with, if you are a listener or a, like a fan of Michigan state, especially like you shouldn't expect them to repeat that same level of success because they massively overachieved last year. I mean, this team had like a five and a half win total from Vegas last year. And that was like the highest you could get it at one point. But like I say, I'm point to the offense first. Now, Peyton Thorne, he's back. I would say he was like somewhat efficient last year. You know, he completed like 60% of his passes for 3,200 yards, 27 TDs, 10 picks. So not terrible, about eight yards an attempt. But the running back position for me is really where it gets interesting because like we said, that's their biggest loss, right? We want to know who's going to take the reins, you know, from what Walker left behind. And they brought in a couple of transfers, you know, both of whom I think have kind of interesting stories. One is Jalen Berger from Wisconsin. Now this kid, he led Wisconsin in rushing in 2020 in the COVID year. But, you know, we know that was a shortened season. So, and then last year, Wisconsin brought in a transfer running back and the rumor had it like that this kid was unhappy, you know, like Berger was pissed that they brought in this guy. And so he started, you know, screwing around and like missing team workouts and that kind of stuff. And they kicked him off the team, kicked him off the team for rules violations. He was their starter at the beginning of the year. Right. And so he kind of like fizzled out and, you know, was dicking around and they ended up getting dismissed from the team. And so I, I don't know. I mean, Mel Tucker, maybe he's, you know, going to be able to keep a tighter leash on him and avoid any kind of problems like that if the kid's not starting every down. But the other guy they brought in was uh, Jarek Broussard from Colorado, who this guy was recruited by Mel Tucker and played for Mel Tucker when he was the coach at Colorado for that one season that he was there. So this dude can actually play. Like he was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year in 2020 in the shortened season, and he rushed for 660 yards last year behind maybe the worst offensive line ever assembled in Power 5 football. Uh, Colorado was an absolute dumpster fire on offense. I'm not going to dive into those numbers. If you just want to be appalled, go look up Colorado's offensive numbers from last year. So I think Broussard probably gets the line share of the carries. Now, the good thing about all this is that he's going to be running behind five dudes who basically all have starting experience. So their offensive line might not be as dominant. I think it'll be serviceable and they'll be fine. And out wide, Jaden Reed, he's back and he was a thousand yard guy, caught 10 caught 10 TDs last year. So bottom line on offense, I think they take a slight step back, you know, just with the loss of Walker, but I think they'll be okay. Defensively, oh God, like just get your fucking barf bags out because uh, last year this <laughs> this team was ranked 130th in passing yards allowed. And for those keeping score, that's fucking dead last in the country. We suck. They were terrible. In total defense, they were 111th. And in third down efficiency, they were 72nd. Translation, they sucked. We sucked. Now, how they accomplished that while leading the Big Ten in sacks is beyond me. <laughs> I don't, I haven't really figured out how that's even remotely possible. But uh, looking to this year, they're going to run like a modified 425 with an extra pass rusher. So they're changing up their scheme a little bit. But the only position on defense where they're kind of deep is at defensive tackle. And everywhere else, they're going to have to take a big jump forward, especially in the secondary. So with all that being said, man, looking at their schedule, I can get them to six wins really easily. 
you know, Western Michigan, Akron, at Washington, Illinois, Rutgers, and Indiana. I think those are all wins, at Washington being the toughest of those. Now, beyond those, obviously, I'm penciling them in for a loss at Ohio State, but you got to come up with two more wins against the likes of Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Maryland at home and road games at Penn State and Michigan. I think they're at least in all those games. I don't think they get blown out in any of those. So bottom line, I'm going to bet on Mel Tucker being a defensive guy, improving the defense, and I'm going to take the over, man. I'm going to say they get to eight wins. If you want to crown them, then crown their ass. Ooh, oh, I, I don't know. Timmy, how, how do you feel about, about this past defense winning eight well, or more games? Well, you don't know, but I know. Okay. okay. Well, help me, help me know. So look, you know, <laughs> offensively, I really like Peyton Thorne and I like Jaden Reed. They're they're big time wide out. But the bottom line for me is that missing Kenneth Walker is astronomical, right? That dude single handedly won them multiple games last year. You know, yes. and, and the question at hand right 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 now is can they win eight games? I'm going to say no. I'm going to give them automatic L's against Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Okay? So that means that they have to beat everybody else on their schedule to get to eight. And like you already said, there's a couple of powder puffs on there, but there's a, there's a lot of iffy games on there. You know, like you said, at UW, you know, Minnesota. I mean, I just at can't. Mar- at Maryland is the one that really, like, yeah. I, I was I was curious about because when I, I'll touch on Maryland, but, like, Maryland can fucking sling the ball. And right. they have really, really good wide receivers. And I was like, eh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if their pass defense can hold up, but I, I don't know. I don't it, feel great about it. It's a reluctant over. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah, it's just like their friends over in Ann Arbor, man. There was a whole lot of magic going on last year, mostly by them relying on elite talent that's no longer there. I just can't get them to eight wins very comfortably. So I'm taking the under on this one. This is a team I was on the fence on because I, like you, uh, I can get them to six wins at the snap of a finger. I mean, yeah, I mean, without even blinking. Right. And then, okay, you call, and for me, at Maryland and at Washington, those are kind of toss ups. Uh, I don't like them against Wisconsin, Michigan, or Ohio State. So really, I mean, I give them to six, but then they got to win two out of Washington, Minnesota, and Penn State. And yeah, the, their first two tests of the season to me are Minnesota and at Maryland. And I think, you know, because I just don't think Washington is going to be good enough to beat them. I, I don't see it. So no. I, I think Minnesota at home and at Maryland are the defining games of whether or not they get over. Yeah. I, for me, I think it comes down to the game at Penn State in the last week of the season. And I think Penn Ooh. State is the better team. So I'm going to give them the under, but it's close. Ooh. Two unders and an over. Interesting. Yeah. You guys got no faith in Mel Tucker shorts, man. It's okay. Not no faith. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm I'm a shorts <laughs> everyday kind of guy as well, but you know, I can get away with it. I'm not in Michigan. So uh speaking of someone who's not in Michigan, uh Mike Loxley, head coach at Maryland. Oh God. They don't have real high expectations this year. They uh they have a five and a half win total. They threw the ball around a lot and you know, they occasionally threw the ball to the other team a little too much. But what do I need to know about the Terrapins going into this year, Jason? All right. Well, I'd like to preface this with they only threw the ball to the other team too much in one game. So, and I'll touch Which on Which game that. was that? Yeah, what <laughs> game was that? Refresh my memory. <laughs> Give me a second, and I will refresh your memory. So, this one will be a little quicker than the other two because, like you said, not as not as big expectations. Now, on offense, we know Tungavalo is back. 
I mean, he was really effective last year, minus one game in which he threw five, count them five, of his 11 interceptions on the season. So outside of that, I mean, he didn't have a turnover in his final seven games. Like he was really, you know, efficient. He completed 70% of his passes and he also set a bunch of school records. So it's not like they're hurting at the quarterback position. So, and also I would like to annotate that they avoid Iowa this year. (laughs) So, so that's a good thing. This team is loaded with playmakers at wide receiver. Like they've got some legit like NFL dudes at wide receiver. So I think that's great. And also they bring back their top two running backs and four starters on the offensive line. So I look at this team like they're really dangerous on offense. Like if you fuck around and don't strap them on, like you could get 50 dropped on you. Now, there's a caveat to that because on defense, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail. Uh, Bottom line. All you need to know about this team's defense is they're going to have to score 45 or 35 to 40 points a game to win. Like their defense is depleted. They lost like four dudes to the transfer portal who were big contributors. They're bringing in a bunch of transfers and they're going to have to uh, rely on some freshmen to contribute. So not a deep defense. It's they're simply going to have to outscore people. Now, schedule wise, I'm actually going to take the over. I'm going to take them to get to six wins this year. I mean, they won seven a year ago. I I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they won seven games this year because, like I said, they do have a really dynamic offense. But if you just look at their schedule, like Buffalo, Charlotte, SMU, Indiana, Northwestern, and Rutgers, I think those are all wins. I don't think any of those teams can score with them. So even if they give up a lot of points, I still think they win all those games, You know, albeit however close they might be. Now, I have them losing every other game, but that's a worst-case scenario. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, there's no chance they beat Purdue. I mean, it's at home. They could beat them. Ohio State at home, that's a loss. At Penn State, I don't feel great about. At Wisconsin, I don't feel great about. But the rest of them, I mean, I could see them going 7-5, and five, but I'm going to take the safe pick and just say they win six. But with a five-and-a-half over, man, I, I think it's – I think it's an easy pick, man, based on schedule and their offense. So give me the over. I take them uh, the Terps to get to a bowl. Yeah, I, you know, they have eight games on their schedule. I could see them winning. Uh, I don't think they'll win all eight of them, but I, I definitely think they can win six. Um, you know, Buffalo at Charlotte, SMU, Rutgers, Northwestern, Indiana. They could win all those. I, I could see them beating Purdue at home. Um, yeah, for they, me, it was easy because all their really tough games are on the road, like at Michigan at Wisconsin, at Penn State, and then Ohio State's at home, but that's an automatic loss. So, I mean, to me, those are like their three toughest games, and they're all on the road. So I'm just like, well, I'll chalk those up as losses, and I can still get them to the over. Timmy, what do you think? Um, You guys have pretty much captured it all. The only thing that I'll really say about Maryland is is I think that they can go as far as Tagovailoa's arms and legs can carry them. I, I have faith that he and the high-flying offense they're going to have can outscore some people. So, you know, get out your disinfectant spray and your shoes. Uh, they're going bowling, man. They'll win six games. Ooh, I like it. So we're all three on the over. Nice. Okay, I'll, I'm not going to lie. I didn't see that coming. That, that one kind of caught me off guard a little bit but uh so <laughs> before i was we, gonna eviscerate him i thought you might yeah yeah in any case that's that's three overs for maryland which i don't think i would have bet on but speaking of things i can bet on uh we're gonna uh, jason's gonna give us a quick word from our sponsors and then we'll be back with the other four teams in the big 10 east 
Hey guys, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on your favorite sports, you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. You can throw down on all your major action that you want to watch, baseball, golf, MMA, whatever you like. Plus, with the same game parlay, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. I personally love to bet on my Atlanta Braves and laid a bet on them tonight against the Phillies. So hopefully that one comes through for me and you can lay a bet on your favorite team. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for the details. All right. It's uh it's time to eviscerate the trash, Timmy. So, I'm really, I've been looking forward to this all day. I've been waiting for you to tee up Greg Schiano. So, now, this team, Rutgers, we're talking about here. Rutgers has a four and a half win total. Now, they were god-awful last year. Timmy, is there going to be an improvement, and are we going to get to five wins in New York? Wait for it. All right. Let's break them down first. So, as you mentioned, four and a half win total. So they're bringing bringing back 11 kids from last year's team, six on offense and five on defense. And, you know, overall, this is still a young and growing team under Greg Schiano. You know, this is his third year, you know, back. This is actually his second stint at Rutgers, but he's still got guys, you know, coming in to fill out his roster the way that he sees fit. But the only bright spot that I can really see is they're going to have a, a young quarterback start this year in Gavin Wimsat. You know, he was a four-star kid coming out of high school uh, in the 2021 class, and he really only saw any significant action in the bowl game against Wake Forest. And, you know, it wasn't that great, but, you know, I'm not going to eviscerate the kid because he's coming in in a bowl game, you know, late in the year after not playing all year. Well, so, and we'll, they, we'll, should, they shouldn't even have been in a bowl game, to make that clear. They got voted in. They got voted into that bowl game because Texas A&M fucking quit. Right. So, like I said, you know, we'll we'll see what that kid can do. But he's really the only thing that I can look to with any kind of optimism because they're sure going to need him because their their offense, capital S, sucked. We sucked. 120th (laughs) in the country in total offense and scoring offense. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. The biggest problem that they have is just systemically on the offensive line and the defensive line, for that matter, they they can't recruit and, and stack up with the talent that's in the Big Ten, and they just get pushed around. But you know what? That's what happens when you're Rutgers, okay? So it's going to continue to be a problem. But, I mean, they did do some decent recruiting and some decent stuff in the transfer portal to try to shore that up. But you're going to have to show me something before I'm going to buy it. I'm really not excited about their run game or their wide receivers this year. 
it's basically a combination of returning non-productive talent from last year and then some middle-of-the-road transfers just sprinkled in. Um, and, and I think I know how that's going to work out. You know, 120th last year, maybe we'll see 115th. Who knows? Defensively, they'll, they'll probably be a little bit better, but still overall pretty bad. You know, last year they were 10th in the conference in just about every major statistical category. And the only thing that I could point to that maybe they could make some improvement is they do have some decent talent on the defensive line and a respectable secondary, uh, but their linebacking core is in really deep shit. They lost like 96 combined starts from guys that left um, to go, you know, declare for the draft this year. But can they win five games? Sure, they could, but they're not going to <laughs> count the automatic L's. OK, Iowa, Ohio State. Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. So that means that they could only lose two more games from a slate of Boston College, Nebraska, Indiana, and Maryland, and then, you know, all the other powder puff teams that they have. But I don't see that at all. Give me the under. Oh, man. Eric, what say you? Uh, yeah, I just don't see. I, I see five games where I could be convinced they have a chance to win. But they would need they would need to win all five of those, and that includes games at Maryland and at Boston College. And I just, I you know, you could talk me into four, maybe, but not five under. Yeah, this one's easy for me. It's an under. I, I think they lose. I mean, I would think they beat Wagner and at Temple, and then possibly Indiana. You know, I mean, Indiana was terrible last year. They did beat them. It was a close game, but they beat them. So it's at home. I like that. I like them to win that. But <laughs> after that, uh, I think they lose five straight to finish out the season. And uh, I just, I don't see it, man. Give me the under. I think it's easy. Three and nine at best. So <sighs> moving on from that debacle because, uh, well, they suck. Uh, Timmy, I'm going to have you put your Homer hat on for a second because we all know you're a uh, closet Penn State fan. So, Tell me what Penn State's going to do this year because they are coming in with a eight and a half total. And I'm pretty sure this was the same total as last year. I think they had an eight and a half total last year or maybe yeah. n- maybe nine. So we'll talk about them here. You know, recapping them last year, they were seven and six overall and four and five in the conference. This year, they're going to bring back 12 of those kids, six on both sides of the ball. One of the key losses they have on offense is, you know, we all know how electric Jahan Dotson was. He's going to be a a big-time NFL talent. But like you said, how do they improve from last year, right? And I see the formula being to rely on Sean Clifford. He's one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the country. He's coming back for his super senior season. But he does have to elevate his game. And, you know, just like we said last year, he's got to be more consistent. You know, we've seen him. When he's good, he's good. And when he's not good, well, you know, we kind of know what that looks like. And I think they do need to get better in the run game as well. They didn't have a back last year that had a 100-yard rushing performance. It was kind of, you know, running back by committee for the most part. And, And I think if they can identify a workhorse back who can, you know, share the load with Sean Clifford and make the offense more balanced, that'll go a long way. And, you know, James Franklin's kind of talked about that. So I like him to get to that kind of philosophy. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them look to some freshman talent to help that. They, they got some really good recruiting talent coming in this year, and I think they can be a help to them. You know, even though they lost Jahan Dotson, they've still got some pretty good studs at wide receiver to make big plays. I actually like 
you know, the, the outlook on the production in the passing game from their wide receivers. But bottom line, I think Penn State's offense is going to be more balanced and they're going to get more to the run to try to open up the passing game for Clifford because he really thrives when that combination is clicking. But moving over to the defensive side of the ball, you know, they got Manny Diaz coming in to run the defense after Brent Pry left to go take the Virginia Tech head coach job. Um, and I actually like that hire for them. As much as I, you know, have things to say about Manny Diaz's performance as a head coach at Miami, I think he thrives in the defensive coordinator role, and I think this is a good fit for him. Additions-wise on the defense, uh, they basically come in the form form of players who suffered season-ending injuries last year. They had quite a few guys go down in the mid in an early part of the season, and those guys are going to be coming back, and they were projected to be impactful players for them last year. So I like that they're coming back, and I think their defense is going to be much improved for that. But the bottom line is I think there's a lot working against them from last year, some key injuries on both sides of the ball, and a lot of games they lost were you know fairly close games. And like you said, I think they make an improvement from last year win total wise. So I'm going to take the over. You know, they have a relatively tough schedule, but I think Michigan and Michigan State, who they both have on the schedule, are not going to be as good as last year. And those were a couple of the close games that they lost. And, you know, there's their two win improvement right there. So give me the over, man. Yeah, I, I'm kind of uh, right there with you. I, looking at their schedule, I mean, there's it's kind of the opposite you know, a team we talked about earlier where most of their like, you know, 50-50 games are at home, you know, like a team like Maryland who can score or a team like Minnesota who, you know, is projected to be pretty good this year in the West. Like those are both at home. So I'm kind of right there with you, man. What, what, Eric, what are you, where are you at on Penn State? I kind of want to get your take. I bet he's on the fence. <laughs> Maybe that'll help me make mine because I, I'm right there with Tim, but I just I'm so reluctant. I don't know that I want to take the over. What do you think? I, I am going to take the over um, because their schedule. Yeah, it it you know looks fairly daunting because they do play in the Big Ten East. You're going to have good teams on there, but if you look at who they get from the West, well, they miss Iowa, they miss Wisconsin, uh, they even miss Nebraska. Like the only decent team from the West that they play is Minnesota at home. I think they could be probably five and two going into the Ohio state game. And then they get three bunnies after that, right? Three layups right after the Ohio state game. So uh, before they finish up with Michigan state in the final week. So I think this is probably a nine win team just because their, their schedule is really easy on the front end. I think they're going to bank a lot of those wins and I, I haven't gotten to nine. All right. Well then that, that just solidified pretty much what I've been thinking. I, I am somewhat high on them, but <sighs> Man, I can't do it. I'm going to take the under. I, I just, I, <laughs> I, to me, it, like open up the season at Purdue. That's not a gimme. Okay, that's a tough game. Like even with the loss of their two superstars, you know, uh, one at defensive end and one at uh, receiver, David Bell. And but even if they win that, I look at two games here. I see at Auburn in week three. Okay, we know we've talked at length about Auburn. Okay. But it's at Auburn. And to me, man, I mean, there's there's few places to play in the country that's that are tougher than that. It's a, it's gonna be a 330 game on CBS. Like that place will be rocking. It was a really close game last year. I just mm, 
I'm not going to just hand that one to Penn State because most of those kids have never played in 90 fucking eight degrees with 100% humidity. So I, that one's iffy to me. And then Minnesota at home. So Auburn and Minnesota to me are the two games that, you know, will define whether or not they go over. And I just, I can't bring myself to do it, man. I'm going to take the under. I just can't do it. I mean, I don't know what you guys think about that, but. So, so me taking the over solidified that for you. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Got it. <laughs> I was like, I don't, mm-mm. I was like, no, if we're all in make, the same. I'm just going to yeah. make you say it out loud. That's all. Yep. That's you pretty much it. I it. want. Yep. I wanted to be, you know, I didn't want to be on the same page as you guys. I, I was, I'm high on them. Like, I think they will be better, but I will say this. A caveat to my under, if Sean Clifford stays healthy all season, there's a strong chance they go over because we saw what kind of team they were last year when he went down. And yeah, I, I was going to say that when you when you asked me, like, I, I will take the over. I think they're a nine, potentially a 10 win team. But if Sean Clifford gets hurt, that that's my caveat is they're in trouble because they look like a complete JV squad when he sat out the second half of that Iowa game. Well, the good news is, is they did bring in a five-star quarterback and Drew Aller, who is, you know, that, that dude can sling it. So, I mean, they should be in, in a better situation than they were last year if he were to go down, but I still would take the under. So, Well, I'll tell you what, at the end of the year, you're going to be needing that promo code for a little bit of extra butthurt cream coming your way. So <laughs> just, uh, just remember this one, all right there? <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. Don't sleep on Auburn. If they go down to Auburn in week three and choke it off and Auburn beats them, they're in trouble. I'm telling you, like you, mm. and we'll see how, we'll see how rocking that stadium is in the late third quarter. All right. Yeah, we'll see. Oh man. I'm getting pumped up. I'm getting chill bumps. All right. We got to move on. (laughs) All right. So uh, getting to teams that aren't questionable, questionable. Uh, Eric, let's talk about Ohio state. Okay. Ohio state last year, we know what happened. They, you know, were suspect on defense and they choked it off to Michigan and ended up not playing for the big 10 title and not making the playoffs for the first time in a while. So 10 and a half this year. I, I mean, I think this is pretty easy, but I mean, maybe I'm wrong. What do you, where are you at on Ohio state? He's on the fence. I'm not on the fence. I I jumped off the fence as far as I could into the over yard. So last year, 2020 and 2021, Ohio State's defense uh, was among the five worst defenses in program history in terms of yards per yards per play allowed and points per game allowed. So they were an okay. I mean, they were an okay defense for for much of the year. They were they were good. Uh, but they weren't Ohio State good. And that's really what kept them out of the playoff was their specifically their run defense among the front seven. They were lost. They got killed on the ground in the Oregon game. They got absolutely manhandled against Michigan. So to fix that, they bring in uh, Jim Knowles, new defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State. And if you watched Oklahoma State play football last year, uh, you would know that trying to run the football against his defense is like eating soup with a fork. <laughs> it really is is kind of a, a futile exercise. Defensively, you know, they were 34th in the country in sacks. They were 44th in pressure rate. They just really were not good up front. So 
linebackers and safeties wise, they're pretty experienced. Uh, they're very, very deep, talented guys. They just haven't played a ton. So I think defensively they'll be better. Uh, they won't be like a top 10 unit or anything, but they'll be, if they can just get to somewhere above maybe like 40th in the country, get like into that top third, they're going to be in really good shape because this offense is an absolute laser show. Uh, and they have, they are headed up by the guy who I think is probably would be my pick uh, if I had to choose today for the Heisman Trophy, who is CJ Stroud, who threw for 4,400 yards, uh, 10.1 yards per attempt, 369 yards per game, and 44 touchdowns. All of those numbers were top five nationally. You kidding me? Uh, he's going to be throwing a lot of balls to Jackson Smith and Jigba, who we've talked about on here before. He led the team last year with 95 catches for 1,600 yards. And when I say led the team, you have to remember that there were also two other receivers on that team who were picked in the top 12 of the draft. <laughs> um, it's an embarrassment in, of riches. It is. Uh, they're bringing back Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, I think he scored three or four touchdowns in the Rose Bowl. He, you know, he's going to have a big role this year, I would expect. Um, the top wide receiver cr- recruit nationally in the class of 2020, guess who he plays for? Ohio State, Julian Fleming. Um, he's going to be he might be the best third option of anybody in the country uh, in terms of receiver position. Um, And if that's not enough, they have a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield and also run it uh, really, really well. His name is Travion Henderson. He is a true freshman last year who ran for 1,250 yards and 19 scores. So God, he's going to be running behind a offensive line who returns four starters from last year. And their lone new starter is a young man named Donovan Jackson, who is going to probably be playing left guard. And he was the number one interior offensive line recruit in the of 2021. So it's tough. I couldn't find any losses on this schedule, honestly, let alone two. Um, so Timmy had a bold prediction a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about the Pac-12. Um, and I'm going to say, and it brings me no great joy to say this, but I, th- I think Ohio State goes 15-0 and 0 this year. If you want to crown them, then crown their ass. Oh, oh called it early, Whoa. are we? All right. Well, all right. Uh, so just erase Eric's bold predictions segment this year. Okay. All right. So Ohio State's going 15 and 0. Copy that. Well, all right. Timmy, tell him, uh, well, um, no, he's not wrong. Just uh, what do you think? <laughs> Well, we're going to add a little uh, brake fluid to the master cylinder and pump the brakes on 15 and 0 here, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. just real quick. I'm not quite ready to go there yet. Is it possible? Absolutely. But 10 and a half over all day long. They're, they're just deeper and more talented than everybody on their schedule. And, you know, is it inside the realm of possibility that they get upset by somebody like Penn State or Iowa? Sure. You know, but they're not going to lose two. Um, they're playoff bound. Book it. Yeah, I agree. I think this is an easy over, man. I mean, 10 and a half, like what? <laughs> Notre Dame in week one? No, no, just no. I'm not Tyler Buckner going into no, stop, stop NBC trying to pump them up, leading no. them to slaughter. <laughs> yeah, just stop. And then you look at their tough games, man, like Wisconsin, it's at home in the shoe, and then Iowa coming up there, and then. At Michigan State, is that going to be tough? Because it was fucking 49 to nothing last year at halftime. Stop. And then Penn State on the road, That it'll be a wide out. That'll be rocking. Who knows? But 
No, they're not going to lose two games. There's no fucking chance they go 10 and two. No, stop. All right. Well, last team on the docket. Bringing up the rear. Oh, geez. Get your barf bags back out, boys, because Indiana Indiana has got a four and a half win total for Vegas. This team went 10 and two last year, or excuse me, not 10 and two, two and 10. They were completely and utterly abysmal. They got the shit kicked out of them all season long. So what's going to happen this year, man? Because that four and a half. Hey, man. I'm, if if you're willing to bet money, like actual money, that Indiana's going to win five or more games this year, I got some fucking property on the moon to sell you here. Okay, so just <laughs> give me a, give me a call, hit me up on Twitter. You know what the fuck is this win total? Okay, I'm going to mark Tim down for under. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mark me down while you're at it. Okay, well, I already marked myself down for under because this is a team. That as you said was two and ten. They ran a minus one ninety-two point differential. Oh God. We've talked about some bad offenses so far in these previews. Um, Indiana was one hundred and twenty-seventh nationally in yards per play, which uh, is my personal favorite like secondary statistic to judge an offense. It's just yards per play. They were 127th, you know, not coincidentally, they were also 127th in three and out percentage. They went three and out on 45.5% of their drives. So half the time they got the ball, they were kicking it right away. But they were they were just, I don't even know where to start with the disaster that was Indiana last year. They were, they were a complete mash unit. They had 30 players that missed five or more games due to injury last year to include 20 of the season-ending variety. So they got... You know, they brought in a bunch, they brought brought in 13 transfers. They have five new assistants, uh, including two coordinators. Uh, one of those transfers is Connor Bazelak from Missouri, who had some flashes. He was the SEC freshman of the year in 2020, you know, in in two years and then a couple of games during his, his redshirt freshman season. You know, he put up 5,000 yards and 23 touchdowns, completed two-thirds of his passes. I mean, he was he was adequate. You know, they have two transfer running backs. They have two transfer receivers. I don't know how quickly those guys are going to gel. They were a disaster up front, both sides of the ball, all year long. On defense, their best player is a corner, uh, Taiwan Mullen, who was an All-American in 2020, and he was injured for the majority of last year. They got a couple of really experienced safeties who are like fifth and sixth year guys, but um, talent-wise, they're just... It's bad, man. It, you know, they were so hurt last year that they just couldn't do anything except just basically just play straight up man. You know, look at the two years prior to last season; they were they were top, they were seventeenth and fifteenth in the country in blitz rate in 2019 and 2020, and they just couldn't do that stuff last year. They didn't have guys who really understood the defense well enough to do that. They were 71st in blitz rate last season just because they're just going out there. Just you take a guy, cross your fingers. Um, so I, I can get them to three. That may be three, maybe generous. <laughs> I, I think they can maybe beat Illinois. Maybe they should beat Idaho and, prob- and probably Western Kentucky. Can they win one of the games between Maryland at home and at Rutgers? Maybe, but they're not going to win five. They're just not. No, I, I mean, I, I think if everything possible breaks right for them, they could beat Illinois. Idaho, Western Kentucky, Cincinnati, and Rutgers. I think that's if everything breaks right. 
I mean, Cincinnati, they played them last year. It was actually a really close game. I watched that game. So even as bad as they were, that was a close game. Cincinnati's losing a lot, even though it's on the road. Toss up. Western Kentucky, they lost Bailey Zappi. Who knows? Could be a win. Idaho sucks. That's a win. Or Belima in week one. I, who knows, man? I, I don't know. But bottom line, this team sucks, and they're going to get drilled the last four weeks of the season four times in a row. So yeah, minimum four. Suck. Yeah, it's it's not yeah. good. They got like look. They got a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, a new quarterback, a new running back, new wide receivers, <laughs> new linebackers. Just new almost everything. You kidding me? Just get the biggest hammer and the biggest button you can find, and just hammer the shit out of the under. Good God. Yeah, they suck. There's no question. So, all right. Well, man, like, I almost feel like, damn, we we should have another, like, 20 minutes of recording left, but we're done. I love this, yeah. just doing one side of the, the conference at a time. It's fantastic. Yeah, and next week is going to be the same thing, because we're looking at the West. Oh, man, the West. Like, can we just, like, take a second here, take a beat, and just look at the West? Like, I mean, good God. Like, do we even know the Vegas totals for the West? Yeah. All right, so what? Yeah, what are the win totals in the West? Just really quick, we're not going to get into it, but just to just to give give our listeners something to think about here. Here, Iowa seven and a half, Illinois four and a half, Minnesota seven and a half, Nebraska seven and a half, Western four and a half. Shit, who else is in the West? Purdue. Oh, Purdue. Okay, yeah, they're there. They're also seven and a half. So there's a lot of. Uh, what Vegas sees as middle of the road teams, um, mediocrity. I yeah, think yeah, is even, the word that you're yeah, searching for. Even Wisconsin Honestly, has, I, has an eight I, and a half win total. I can't believe the just blatant disrespect of Minnesota giving me a seven and a half win total. Oh, game. Here we go. Here, here we, we go. go. <laughs> I can't believe that. That was. I mean, what? What? What do they got to do, Vegas? I mean, what do we got to do to get I, you on board here? I, I give you grief, but I. Right offhand, I think I probably will be on the over on that, but we'll see. We'll see next Yeah, week. well, if you're fucking smart, you will be, goddammit, because they're going to go over. Like, that. chalk it up. <laughs> like, yeah. Wait wait a few weeks for my bold prediction. Chalk it up. Yeah, they're going to go over despite losing to Illinois and Bowling Green at home. Wait oh, for stop. it. Stop. Stop. You're making... Oh, it hurts. All right. Well, Okay, so look into next week. Yep, we'll be back with you next week with the Big Ten West Vegas totals and a preview. And uh, we'd like to thank our corporate sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook, and our other sponsors as well. And uh, we will talk to you next week. So see you then. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.